This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, the founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. And Kenny, we got a couple of, well, I guess one good, one bad to break down <laughs> today. Uh, if you want to look at it that way, um, we will recap Saturday's loss against UTSA in a frustrating up and down game for Memphis. And I guess that's the negative side of today's episode. And the positive side is that Memphis basketball began their preseason practice today. Kenny and I. We're both there, Kenny getting some video, uh, which everyone will obviously be excited to see. Uh, I've seen a ridiculous amount of comments and questions about video and footage already. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement and hype around this team, so uh, first day of preseason practice did not disappoint from uh, just a fan interaction standpoint and fan excitement standpoint. Um but we are going to save the best for last today and begin with the loss from Saturday. Kenny, you were down there on the field on Saturday and, and what you described as kind of a weird and frustrating game. Just what were your thoughts, you know, being down there on the field Saturday and being able to to watch this loss firsthand? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely felt, you know, coming off the, the high of the Mississippi State game, even though I wasn't able to be there at the Mississippi State game, I was watching it on TV and – you could you could sense the excitement. You could feel the energy coming off the screen, even in my living room at my house, and and so you you kind of expected that that would happen again. Like being down there on the field, there's another level of energy that comes from being down there. Um, you know, you can hear the fans kind of surrounding you, and um, you know, just hear the conversations that are going on. The the players getting hype, and even in the pregame, Christian, it was strange because it felt rather dead on the field during the pregame. Um, and obviously, 
you know, you talked about it being a roller coaster, and it clearly was the first quarter. The Tigers jumped out to a 21 to nothing lead. And instead of hyping up the crowd, it felt like it kind of, oh, okay, well, let's go check out. Because I'll be honest with you, man, it was pretty smoking hot down there. And um, it just felt, it felt strange. Like it felt, hold on, man, my audio is going crazy. Sorry. Um, it just felt strange. It felt that it, it felt like the energy completely left the the stadium, you know, in the second quarter and the third quarter. And I think a lot of that was the play of the team, but it was almost impossible to get it back. And and so when the when UTSA was making the run and, and they started coming back, there was just very, very little energy in the crowd. And so the whole day just felt rather off to me. Yeah, I, I mean I think this is a this past Saturday was a a big game against a good team that was not treated like a big game against a good team, if that makes any sense. Um the Mississippi State game was obviously treated as a big game because it's an SEC team. Um it's I mean that's that's it. You know, it's an SEC team. It's a big time opponent coming into the Liberty Bowl, so there's going to be a lot of excitement. And even though UTSA is a good football team, and this was a bit like this was a big game for Memphis, was a high level game. It was not viewed as so. Um, so I saw a couple people saying before the game this would have been better as a road game, and that's actually a really good point. Like this would have been probably better for Memphis as a road game because you know they're coming off that Mississippi State high at home and then they're they're going to a completely different crowd just a week later um and that I guess that just plays into really the psychological side of sports and um what happens when you go from one side of the spectrum to the other um so it was a weird game uh it was a really weird game a lot of ups and downs a lot of um just unexpected play calls a lot of unexpected things happen throughout the game like you said Memphis goes up 21 nothing and I'm gonna be honest like watching the game at that point it was like okay this is this is over like we overhyped UTSA Memphis is clearly the better team Memphis is going to absolutely run through this team and it's not even going to be close unfortunately they didn't do that and why I say unfortunately is because they could have they showed that they could have the defense was really, really good in the first quarter. That seems to be a, a you know a kind of a common theme now that the defense starts off really hot, uh, and the offense did as well. I mean, the offense looked really good. Seth Hennigan looked awesome. UTSA secondary, um, they could not cover Calvin Austin or Sean Dykes, and for some reason, Memphis went away from that. Uh, Seth Hennigan was. I believe 15 to 21, 330 yards and uh, a touchdown at one point in the game while Memphis is, was, was averaging 2.7 yards per carry and they still chose to try to run the ball. And it's just, I, I mean, just as someone who loves and understands the game, it's it's very, I don't know, frustrating to watch that. So I can't imagine... You know, Memphis fans in the Liberty Bowl on Saturday are sitting at home on their couch enjoying their Saturday and just being absolutely driven crazy 
by what this offensive staff was choosing to do. And that and that's kind of what it was. It was just sitting there like, wow. It, it was so clear and obvious that it's not working. Like, there was a big difference between what was working and what was not working. Um, and Memphis just continued to do what was not working. So, very frustrating. Um, it's got to it, It's one of those that's on the coaches. Like, and, and I think that's coach speak sometimes where coaches will say, like, this game was on me. This wasn't on the players. That's a hundred percent true. And this this game was not on the players. This was a hundred percent on the coaching, on the coaching staff, and what they chose to do in this game. And you know, knowing Ryan Silverfield and knowing the staff, they they're going to take that lump and and live with that and be okay, uh, and and hopefully grow and move forward because that it was it was a tough one to watch uh, from a coaching perspective. Yeah, it was weird, man. I think halfway through the game, you texted me and you said they are averaging twenty one yards a pass and 2.3-something yards a carry, get the ball to the fastest guy on the field because they could not stop Calvin Austin. They could not stop Sean Dykes. And it really was like the play calling, I think, contributed a lot to the the discontent and kind of mood in the Liberty Bowl. I mean, it was just – series after series after series of three straight runs up the middle and then you know the defensive line and the the front seven put it putting their you know ears back and just going straight for Seth and and him having to go third and long and then them punting it was like two straight quarters of that and so man I agree with you man like you know obviously you know, the players are out there. They have to make the blocks. They have to make the catches. They have to run the routes. They have to run the plays. But they can only run what's called to them in a game. And um, it was – this was absolutely – I agree with you, absolutely on the coaching staff in terms of the offensive side of the ball. Um, the the play calling was just so weird. And it's and again, it's so frustrating because you're right. UTSA is a good team. And we said it last week in the podcast that they were a good team. And that this game is a kind of a not even a trap game per se, but more so a really good team that is underrated coming into the Liberty Bowl after a huge probably the biggest win of the year, um, more than likely, and you know, obviously up until this point in the season. And so we you know, privately and publicly we're talking about, man, UTSA, they could easily come into the Liberty Bowl and win this game. Easily. It would not surprise anybody if that happened, especially over here at Go Tigers 247. But it was the fact that it didn't have to turn out that way because it was so clear that the strength of the Tigers, that UTSA couldn't handle it. And the coaching staff consistently went away from that. And and I don't know if it's because Seth is a freshman quarterback. I don't know what it is. But Seth has proven himself able to carry that load at this point. And, and it doesn't hurt that he's got one of the best wide receivers in college football and an incredibly skilled and gifted receiving tight end that can get across the middle and make plays. He's done it all year long. And so... It 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 was just a super super frustrating game and one that was completely avoidable. But for some reason, not to completely go go off on the the coaching staff, but it just it felt like the coaching staff did not put the players in a position to win on Saturday. Yeah, and 
when you really look at the season as a whole up to this point, a weird trend that's beginning to develop is just very vanilla, uncreative play calling. And that's so weird to look at a Memphis team and say that because typically there's so much creativity, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, but it's been very straightforward and basic this year and and it and it was for the most part last year as well uh and last year we attributed that to a struggling offensive line and um uh, ineffective running backs really uh is what we attributed the lack of creativity to and then you look at this year and you'd have to say okay if it's going to be attributed somewhere you would say it has to be the quarterback, right? They have to say, like, you know, a true freshman quarterback, we're not going to do as much offensively. But as you just mentioned, Seth has shown nothing but poise, um, maturity well beyond his years, and I think he's more than capable of handling whatever they throw at him. So it, it really is questionable at this point. Like, what, where, where do you go from here? Like, you know, this... We talked about this last week, like Memphis really could have ran the table if they won this game and they had every opportunity to win this game and they kind of just let it slip away in a very disappointing fashion. Um, I mean, they really could have had this game put out pretty early. Uh, Regardless of what anybody wants to say, if Memphis would have kept their foot on the gas, they could have won this game by two or three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, I, I watched the products that were put on the field on Saturday. If Memphis kept their foot on the gas, they win this game easily, but they didn't. I mean, and, and that's all you can judge it off of is what happened. Um, so it's even more disappointing when you look at it that way, knowing that Memphis could have won this game, um, knowing that for two and a half quarters they did nothing offensively create creative at all. It was 100% conservative. For two and a half quarters, you know, the first quarter was was great. They let it fly. They got a defensive touchdown. Really beautiful deep throw uh, from Seth Hennigan to Calvin Austin. And then Rodriguez-Clark gets in the end zone. And the the tone was set right then, right? Like Memphis had every bit of momentum. And then it was just like, all right, let's let it ride. We got this one wrapped up. You never have a game wrapped up after the first quarter. Um, And that's that's kind of what it looked like is they – just were like, all right, we got this one in the bag. Like, UTSA is not as good as everybody said they were. Like, we're clearly the better team. So, let's uh, get this one over with and go home. And that uh, that mentality and that mindset can get you beat um, in any level of football. And it, it did for Memphis on Saturday. So, disappointing. Um, it's still a 3-1 and one start. You're still a good football team, but it's just like, we had every opportunity to avoid a loss before we started conference play, and we did not do that. Absolutely. Well, now they have conference play starting this week against Temple. And so, you know, I think it would be easy in a cop-out for us to sit back and say, well, they're waiting until conference play starts to really kind of unleash the creati- creativity of the offense. Um, that I don't think that that's right. Because it's like you said, you we've got a whole last year and the first four games of this year to show that, you know, every once in a while though there's a creative level to what they do and they and they usually are successful in it. But, you know, they're playing against I mean, they're starting conference play now. And so they're gonna have to open up the playbook. They're gonna have to 
like let go of the reins a little bit and 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 do something you know I, I was listening to an NFL game the other day or yesterday and uh I'm sorry on, on Sunday and there was a there was a play I think maybe it was yesterday when um, Dallas played and one of the um one of the play-by-play guys said Dallas has run the same play seven times in a row because the other team cannot stop them and so they're going after it they're going they're doing the same play over and over and over again and that was it, it the tigers could learn from that right like go with what works you know instead of running the plays seven times in a row up the middle into the heart of the UTSA defense where they are the they are that is the the heart and strength of their defense is that front seven that they're they're a very good run defensive team and and yet <laughs> instead of going with what worked and what got you know, got you yardage and got you plays and got the momentum back. It was just boom, boom, boom. So let's hope, man. Let's hope moving into this Temple game on Saturday, um, that that the Tigers will open it up and 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 really, you know, get the ball going again. Like like we know they can. I mean, they've got a dynamic receiving core. They've got a dynamic tight end, and so it's time, you know, to see that. And and so that's what I'm hoping for. Um, it was a frustrating, frustrating game. But again, like you said, they're three and one, and um, the season is not lost. Uh, they can, since they're starting conference play, they can, um, they still have the opportunity to um, reach the goals that they have set for themselves at the at the beginning of this year. So let's just hope that that happens. Yeah, I mean the season's far from over. Obviously, really just getting started four weeks in. But what I will what I will say about you know this point early in the season with conference play beginning on Saturday is I think one way or the other we look back and this UTSA game is kind of the 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 tipping point for the rest of the season. Either the team loses their confidence from this and it, it continues to trend in a negative direction, or they were able to you know look at film this week and look at what they did wrong and the coaching staff's able to say look you know we. We're not going to put our guys in this situation anymore. And the players say, look, we're not going to put our coaches in this situation anymore. And uh, and they go out there and they just change the way they play and say, you know, this conservative stuff, we're, we're not doing that. We're going out there to win football games. It doesn't matter what the score is. Or that trend continues of building early leads and then kind of watching them slip away due to lack of creativity and, and just playing conservatively. So... I think I think the UTSA game is a tipping point, and Memphis has an opportunity to go on the road uh, this week in their first conference game against Temple and really blow the doors off of them. Eleven and a half point favorites. Uh, Temple's played two Power Five teams this year. They got smacked by Rutgers and Boston College pretty heavily. Uh, Temple's Temple really got gutted by the transfer portal, uh, losing to Anthony Russo, losing to Ramon Davis. I mean, they really lost their best players to the transfer portal. Had a couple other players go to the draft, so they're really, really struggling so far this year. Just to just to put it in layman's terms, and um, man, it's crazy to think about. Two years ago, about this time, Memphis was in Philadelphia uh, for their first loss of the season, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, it's funny. I was actually looking back at some stuff from that game today. If you 
don't remember that was the Joey called it game uh, when a decision by the referees basically ended Memphis's chance of a comeback effort in that game. Uh, Brady White had four turnovers. Uh, Memphis struggled heavily offensively in the first half and came back in the second half and was able to sustain some drives. And then obviously the, the controversial play with Joey happened. But I was looking back today and it's just like it's kind of crazy when you look at it and you see where the two teams have went since then Memphis obviously um lost that game against Temple and that was the only game they lost until um until December against Penn State or was that January when was that was December Uh, December yeah yeah this very end of December almost January so what is that almost you know two and a half three months before they lost another game um, I won the conference championship, went to a New Year's Six Bowl, coaching change, and then Temple was a really, really good team for a lot of years in the American, and then, like I said, they got gutted by the transfer portal. So it's always funny to me to look back on those things um, and see where the two teams have come. But Memphis is the better team, uh, plain and simple. Um, I, there really isn't too much to break down in this game, Kenny, I'm going to be honest. Like, Memphis is the better team. 11.5 is kind of generous to Temple but also I understand um, because Memphis did drop the ball last week so uh, we'll see but like I said Memphis completely has every opportunity to go on the road uh, and right the ship uh, against Temple in their in their conference opening game well Christian I'm gonna say something that don't get yourself into trouble this week because this reminds me a lot of last week's podcast when you were talking about UTSA and I was leaving the Liberty bowl after the UTSA game on Saturday. And all of a sudden my Twitter blew up and I was confused. and I didn't know what was going on. And I looked at my Twitter and there was a writer that covers UTSA that apparently took umbrage with some things that you said in last week's podcast about UTSA. And, um, I I just want to caution you to not <laughs> to not get yourself into trouble again with fan bases because um, you have overlooked them and you are not doing game film research on every team that the Tigers play this year. So just I want to caution you, and I also want to ask you: Do you have anything any response? Because They've been saying a lot this week. We haven't responded back on Twitter because it's kind of whack, honestly, number one. Um, Number two, um, y'all come on and listen again to the podcast. Thank you for the downloads and the listens. Um, So, we, Christian, I want to give you the chance to respond today to all of the people on Twitter that went off on you. I guess honesty is a lost art these days. Um no, I was just being honest last week. Like, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I, and I said this also last week. Like, I'm not into the back and forth, the trash talk. I really just don't get into it. Uh, I've had fans say some pretty crazy things, and I've never responded to a fan uh, in a negative way that I can remember. If somebody can pull receipts on that, I'd be shocked because I don't ever remember going negatively at anybody. It's just not really my style. Um, so that's fine. I mean, I understand they were fired up after UTSA won and they wanted to come at me and that's cool. Like I'll take that. But 
I promise you it's not going to make me watch a UTSA game. Like, And I'm not talking. <laughs> you I'm, mean you didn't go back and watch every UTSA game from the rest from the beginning of the year? No. Like, they weren't a fun team to watch. I'm just being straight up. Like, Sincere McCormick was awesome. I knew Sincere McCormick was awesome going into the game, but that's about all they got. Um, and I didn't, I don't know. I wasn't a fan of watching UTSA and that's the last time I'll watch them until they play Memphis again. And I'll probably say the same thing again. Like the, that, that kind of stuff doesn't get to me. It it doesn't really bother me at all. And I really don't have a response for it, except I was being honest. I was keeping it real and I'm going to continue to keep it real. Like that's, that's about it. I do have a question for you, Christian. Last thing on it. Cause I know this is not your style. You are not a flame folks on, on, the podcast or Twitter that's not your thing, but I do I do want to ask you as somebody who has um, a degree in journalism, who has studied journalism, who has covered the Memphis Tigers for the last four years straight, like even while you were still in college getting your degree, would you ever um, would you ever go at another writer from another team as a beat writer for the Memphis Tigers? If the Memphis Tigers went to let's say Penn State, like we like the Tigers played them a couple of years back, uh, and one of the Penn State writers had said something about the Tigers, which they did. Every one of them did. Do you? How do you feel about as a beat writer for the Memphis Tigers, then going at an, a journalist, another journalist as a beat writer for another team? Is that weird to you, or is that normal? Um, I mean, I've never really seen it before. That I can remember. Usually it's pretty cordial. Um, and that wasn't their 247 guy, uh, JJ Perez. Me and him actually did a behind enemy lines last week. So it wasn't him. Like, usually there's such a mutual respect. Like, I really don't have issues with people. Um, I don't really talk about anybody. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, it's not really my thing. I don't, I, I kind of let everything go. It doesn't, people don't affect me. Like, whatever. <laughs> um, the only, the only, I mean, I could see like in national media, maybe like if, if national media was like disrespecting the team that you cover and they end up really exceeding expectations, then you could be like, you know, where, where's that noise now? Like what's everybody talking? Something like that maybe, but like specific, like as specific as like listening to the podcast and going that deep into it and being like, man, you guys watch film like that's a lot. Like I don't I'm not petty enough to do that. Like I'm and I'm not I'm still not trying to talk trash. Like I the dude's not going to listen to this podcast anyway because Memphis isn't playing UTSA this week. Um so I could say whatever I want, but I just don't have any interest in it. Um but no, I've never listened to like a lead up to the other school game podcast. I don't I don't do those things. Like I if Memphis was playing Penn State, Memphis when Memphis did play Penn State, I didn't listen to the Penn State podcast, and I was on the Penn State podcast leading up to the Cotton Bowl. Like, right. <laughs> I just, right. I've never, I'm, I don't know. It was, it when you texted me, I was like, what's going on? What do you mean? Like, they're, they're talking about, <laughs> I wasn't even paying attention, dude, like, in a game and stuff. Like, I'm, I'm getting a lot of notifications, and I just really don't check. Like, I'll just clear the notifications away, and I really just don't look at them that much. That's a part of the reason why I don't respond very much to comments is because I just don't pay attention to them. And I was like, "What is he talking about?" And I went and looked, and it was I was like, "Kenny, that's not even the fans. That's the writer. Like the writer's getting the fan base hyped up." So whatever, it is what it is. Hey, it's like 
it's like act like you've been there before. That was my first thought was act like you've been there. Maybe they haven't. Maybe this is the first time they beat a better team. I don't I don't know, but you know. Anyway, I'm I'm more petty than you, so I'll say stuff. Um, but maybe next time lie never. and don't tell the truth. No, Just don't ne- tell when the they truth play next time. UTSA the next time I promise you I'm gonna say I didn't watch film again. Um but with that with, okay. with that yeah, let's with that on. being said, let's uh let's take a quick break here from our sponsors and when we get back we will talk about what everyone is waiting on and that is memphis's first preseason basketball practice we will discuss imani bates jalen duran the team overall penny hardaway josh minot earl timberlake alex lomax Lester quinones i'm not going to sit here and name all of them but DeAndre uh, williams don't forget about DeAndre <laughs> williams right uh so when we get back after hearing from our sponsors we will Recap Memphis's first preseason basketball practice. I'm Mr. Body Catcher, Slaughter Gang Soul Snatcher. Ain't no regular F1 fit that this a f- rapper. Yeah. No capper, street, not a rapper. Chopper hit him and he turned into a booty clapper. Smith and Wesson, a 4L gang reppin'. We done baptized more than a damn reverend. Yeah. Kappa Alpha, me and my gang, we do all the steppin'. Who you checkin'? It's FN, shoot East or Westin'. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take keep this too hard. All right, everyone, we are back, and as I mentioned with the laundry list of players that I named pre-commercial break, we are going to get into some Memphis basketball coverage. We have not had a Memphis basketball podcast since March. I mean, outside of off the boards, we haven't talked about basketball and Tigers in 20 since March, so uh, I don't know if I know how to my do fingers this. Are, my fingers are tingling. I'm so excited yeah. to talk about Memphis basketball. I think I forgot how to do this. Um, but No, you did not. <laughs> You're a professional. Um, but anyways, Kenny, we were both there. You were filming. You got some beautiful footage uh, that I'm going to continue to just wave in front of everybody's face until they see um so you know we were both on the floor baseline sideline all that good stuff for the whole practice uh, about 30 minutes which usually we're only in there for like 15 ish minutes i believe for that opening rebounders practice so and they did a hard. and they did a five on five scrimmage too like they yes, did they have not individual done that. drill yeah. yeah no this would this was penny hardaway saying this team is freaking good and i want y'all to see it um and we saw it christian and we saw it so kenny i'm gonna pass the mic to you i've been talking enough 
today. So I just want to ask you, you know, from from being there and from being able to watch that, uh, what was what was the takeaway for you at you know from a team perspective? Because we did get to watch scrimmage, we did watch five on five the whole time. It was no drills, it was nothing like that. It was literally scrimmaging for thirty minutes. What were you able to take away uh, from Memphis as a team during that time? The Tiger basketball team is big, and they are fast. And, I mean, they are one of the biggest teams that I have seen in the college ranks in the history of watching college basketball, and I've been watching it for almost 30 years. And I have never seen a team this big. Um, it is like jaw-droppingly shocking how big they are. The, I mean, you you look at the – they had the team split up fives on fives and with a couple of substitutions coming in. Um, but there is – they could legitimately run a top seven, eight on the team and nobody be below six five if they wanted to. Um, they are very, very big, and they are very – very fast. And so that that was the biggest takeaway as I as I saw as I walked in there initially and started setting up my camera gear was these guys are huge <laughs> and and they are flying up and down the court. So that was my initial takeaway. Um Christian, you you kind of I would love to hear your take like what your initial thoughts were when you walked in. Well, I was walking right next to you, walking into the facility, so I, I think you know exactly what I thought. Um, if you've never been in Lori Walton before, before you get into the actual practice facility, there's glass kind of lining the sides so you can see into the gym before actually entering in the gym, if that makes sense. And Kenny and I are walking next to each other, um, and I'm kind of kind of taking a look in, and before we even make it to the floor, so we're probably, what, Kenny, 15, 20, 30 feet, 15, 20 feet yeah, uh, yeah. away from the players, and I looked at Kenny, and I was like, dude, they're freaking huge, and we walked in, and we hit the baseline, and then I looked up at him again, because Kenny's a big guy, too, and I look up at Kenny, I, I spent a lot, my neck hurts, I spent a lot of time looking up today, um, and I look up at Kenny, and I was like, man, this team is, this is the biggest team I've ever seen. And Kenny looks like a little baby out there, so I can't imagine what I look like out there. Um, but 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 seriously, like that's that sounds like a joke. But like they make Kenny look tiny, and Kenny is a big dude, so they make me look really really small. Um, but that's the first thing that jumped out—just a big, long, athletic team. Um, so that's what we came into immediately was seeing the size, and then they start running scrimmages, and it's like while they get up and down the floor really, really fast. Um, and you see guys forcing turnovers on defense with their length. You see guys easily finishing in traffic uh, down low because of their size and their athletic ability and their length. Um, so there's just, you know, there's only so much you can take. You know, we say this all the time. There's only so much you can take from a small snippet. And I even tweeted it earlier. I was like, guys, look, I know we only saw 30 minutes, but this team is going to be really good. And I don't think there is anybody in that gym that was able to sit there today and watch and walk away going, uh, I don't think we're going to be that good this year. Um, because obviously, you know, with all the fans there, no fans going to walk away saying we're not going to be good this year. And I don't think any me media members going to walk away going, uh, Memphis doesn't really have what we thought they had this year. They're, they're loaded. They look loaded at every position. And, um, some of the question marks going into this season, 
um, that I want to talk about because I know there's a lot of a lot of little like nitpicky individual type things that people have been wondering about. One being the point guard spot. Um, two was the kind of the front court until Jalen Duran got there, but I still want to talk about the front court because I definitely noticed some things there today. <laughs> but let's start with the point guard spot. Um, Alex Lomax did not practice or did not practice when we were there. Memphis practiced for an hour and a half before we got there, so we don't know exactly what Alo did and did not do today. Uh, Penny said afterwards that it was a shoulder injury for Alex, who was coming off of the ankle injury towards the end of last year. Um, so no speculation there. have no idea what's going on. Just know that when we were there, when media was there, he did not practice. Um, so, you know, we've been saying for a long time, Brooks put this out, uh, long before anybody else, that Memphis was looking at Amani Bates as a point guard. And Kenny, <laughs> I was freaking blown away. And, and once again, blown away, Christian. Once again, like yeah. we got you got you got to put a cap on it. Like you gotta, I've got to continue to pull the reins back. I've got to pull the reins back a little bit because this is the first preseason practice. The season is still. Uh, what uh, you know, a month away before the exhibition game starts. So I I do got to pull back the reins and tamper expectations at least a little bit until we can see something tangible. Um, but Amani Bates knows how to run the floor. He knows how to get others involved. He's a playmaker. He can get his own shots. He's a very good, anywhere on the court. He can get his own. He shot. can get his, anywhere. He can get his own shot anywhere. He can finish down low. Um, but I was just impressed by his vision. Um, his ability to to speed it up and slow it down, like he he looked like he'd played plenty of point guard before, and and I mean that's a testament not only to his own skill level and talent, but also to this coaching staff and what they've been able to do in the short time that he's been on campus. So, uh, Kenny, any thoughts there with Amani, you know, running the show today and playing point guard? And before before I kick that to you, um, let let's say who was playing on the same team mainly. Right. Uh, they had a white and a blue team. It was Imani Bates, Jalen, DeAndre, uh, Lester, Lester, Jonathan Lawson. Jonathan. We're mainly the the starting five on the blue team or on the white team. The blue team was Chandler, Ma- Malcolm, Chandler, John, Josh, jo- John Camden, Josh Minot, Sam Ayamide Anu. Sam was on the white team. Sam was on the white team. Yes, you're right. We're um, missing somebody. Landers, Landers, yes, yeah. Landers, was and, Tyler, on the and Tyler Harris. Tyler Harris was also on the blue team. Yes, um, Tyler so, had to guard. Tyler had to guard Amani Bates. <laughs> yeah, today. <laughs> and Ty, listen, man, I know Tyler gets a lot of hate. When he was a Tiger, he got a lot of hate for the size that he was, like the fact that teams would take advantage of him defensively. Um, Tyler gives every bit of his energy and effort on the defensive end of the floor. He does not back down. But he got steamrolled today by Imani Bates. And I love Tyler. I think Tyler's awesome. But it was very, I mean, we're talking about a third-year player, fourth-year player in college in Tyler Harris who's played point guard, played with um, some NBA point guards at Iowa State. You know, he's he's played with those guys. And yet, Imani Bates was out there within the first couple of weeks of him being here on campus. And Imani was was it was pretty easy for him to get around Tyler to I mean Tyler let, let's Tyler's five eight 
maybe. Thousand, right. And, and right. Amani's six ten, so let let's put a little bit of context there. Right, but also as a point guard, you're having to dribble the ball. You're having to bring the ball up the court. And any any point guard knows if you're a smaller point guard, you take advantage of a big man trying to dribble up the court because the ball automatically just physics comes up higher off the floor. So you're able to get the ball easier. And and I didn't see Amani struggle with his handles at all tonight. And so that's in terms of the point guard situation. Um, Amani is fully immersed in it and he's only been with the team for less than a month, I think at this point. And he has seen, he seems to be meshing very, very well and acclimating to the point guard role very, very well. Okay, Kenny. So let's go, uh, since we're, we're pretty deep into this podcast already, I just want to go rapid fire, maybe 15 or 20 seconds from each of us on, we probably won't talk about every player, but most players, let's just go back and forth, quick synopsis on what we saw, um, and let's start with um, Jalen Duran. Obviously, a lot of people are excited to hear about him, a uh, grown freaking man, uh, just a massive dude that runs the floor, gets up and down, uh, is going to have a lot of success on both ends of the floor this year. And I love that they have him and DeAndre Williams playing on the same team today in practice. I'm sure that's a common theme and will be a common theme. And they looked very, very sharp already playing together, moving together down low. And that's a very encouraging sign for Memphis's front court heading into the season. Well, one of the plays that I saw today in the in the scrimmage was DeAndre Williams taking the ball from the high post, dribbling down the left side of the lane, pump faking and then passing the ball off to Jalen Duren for a dunk. Um, there were so many times last year where that same play would happen and it would fall apart on the pass. It would fall apart on the catching of the pass. Um, and it there seems to be an upgrade in the hands of the big man <laughs> that will be the starting five for the Tigers this year. Um, Jalen Duren is a monster um, he is not as tall as as Musa is, but he is every bit as big, um, much bigger, much stronger, and I think at this point much more skilled and developed than yeah, Musa Cisse. Without a doubt, much much more skilled and developed. Um, another player that caught my eye today. It's, it's hard not you know not to notice him because he is such a good player on both ends of the floor, and that's Lester Quinones. <laughs> uh, that confidence that he had for the majority of last year is is 100% evident. He's a leader. Like, he's really, <laughs> really a leader for this team. He's one of the best all-around players on this team. He's going to be one of those guys that holds this team together on both ends of the floor, that makes big plays when this team needs big plays from a veteran leader. I love what he brings to the team. You have to have a guy like that. Uh, I noticed a couple times throughout today's practice where he's teaching the younger guys and using examples in the scrimmage to teach younger guys, and I just love his confidence. He hit a lot of a lot of shots today, um, made a lot of really good decisions. Didn't really see any bad decisions from him, and that's kind of what we were, we're accustomed to. So good to see Lester out there as a leader and, and fully confident once again. The Lester we saw last year is back – just a little bit skinnier and a little bit bouncier. Um, but that level of skill, the the shooting of the ball, the the leadership on the floor, the defensive tenacity, the 
the the the getting the players. I mean, he was he assisted on three or four different plays, bounce passes into the lane that were perfect uh, pick and rolls. Um, he just is he literally does everything right for the Tigers, and um, I totally agree with you. He is, I believe, he is the leader of the Tigers team this year, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's one of the top leaders. Also, just wonderful basketball IQ. Just a guy that you can tell is always wanting to learn and always wanting to, to grow and develop on the floor. Um, next couple ones I want to go to, I want to package these next two together. Um, the Lawsons, Chandler and Jonathan Lawson. Um, a lot of people are excited about them, obviously with them being hometown guys. And I feel like kind of when they made their announcement, you had the 50-50 split. Some people like, oh gosh, here we go again with the Lawsons. And then you just have the ride or die, like when a kid's from Memphis and when it's a Lawson, like people love them, uh, it, which is just, it's just funny to see, you know, how how different of opinions can be. Um, but, but they both look really good. Uh, we've heard a lot of things about Jonathan Lawson dating back to when he got on campus, just about, you know, the mindset that he came into it with, um, the way that he was running the floor, I think he, you know, he looks really good with the ball in his hands. He has a really good command of the floor. Um, he's unselfish. He's a a better playmaker than I think he's gotten credit for throughout his career. And then with Chandler, it just kind of goes back to that basketball IQ, very unselfish player, a guy that can really do it all, um, but doesn't need all the all the shine and all the glamour. Another one of those guys that it's just necessary to have on a really good team um, that's going to always give you positive minutes, I think, is what they have. And Chandler Lawson. And then with Jonathan, I think they have a player that can really develop into a solid playmaker um, and a guy that can handle the ball and, and be someone who can come in and be a difference maker for this team. Maybe not necessarily this year. He could. But at some point, Jonathan Lawson, I think, will be a difference maker for this team. I have a, a hot take on Jonathan Lawson. I think he'll see minutes this year. Um, he is um, very skilled, um, very, very good with the ball in his hands. He makes the right decisions. He he does the right things on the floor. He made, I think, I might be wrong on this, he made two or three three-pointers in that scrimmage and then made a, a layup or a dunk. I think either dunked or laid it up. or, or But, I mean – he produced every time he was on the floor, he produced for the Tigers. And I think that – I honestly think that we will see Jonathan Lawson on the floor this year. I think he will be – like we've heard nothing but good things about him throughout this um, fall camp since they've been in town. We've heard nothing but good things about him. And I think that we saw it a little bit tonight. I firmly believe he'll be in the rotation. I really do. Um, Chandler, 100% agree. I'll say this about Chandler. I didn't see him make any mistakes tonight. Now, right. did I see him make any fantastic plays? No. But you don't need that out of every good, player. He's just, a, he's just a good basketball player. He's a just good a basketball, basketball player. player. Doesn't yeah. make mistakes. And if literally, if you're that guy that doesn't make mistakes, you could absolutely help a team in at any level that you play. And I think that's where Chandler Lawson is. Um, and I think, you know, while the jury might have been out for a long time about the Lawsons coming back, that all needs to go away at this point because they have acclimated themselves into the program, and they are going to be assets this year and Jonathan especially over the next few years without a doubt. 
Yeah, and you have so many people that when it comes to the Lawsons, they say, "Oh, this is he's going to be just a me, 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 selfish player." Nope. That is neither one of these guys. Neither one that of is those neither, kids. Like that is not that is not the narrative that needs to be driven because both of these guys, you can tell, they want to be team players, they want to win, and they're high basketball IQ guys. So, um, very excited about what they bring to the team this year. Let's go to another set of newbies on this roster, and that is freshman John Camden and Josh Minot. Um, <laughs> Dude, like we we said this back at the Iverson Classic, but Josh Minot is freaking huge. He's not six seven. He's not six eight. He's like six ten, six eleven. He's massive. He made a ton of plays down low, cutting to the basket. Uh, is a very good finisher in transition. Offensively, can finish with either hand. Just very smooth and soft around the basket. Can handle the ball. Um, I love what he brings to this team. Uh, he's still young. He's a freshman. He's going to make mistakes, but you know, getting on campus as early as he did, and 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 just getting into the rhythm and getting to the flow of things, it's clear that he's been on campus and is acclimated. Um, and I think the same thing for John Canvin. Neither one of these guys looked out of their element. Uh, they both look very comfortable. They vo- both look very confident. John Camden, Camden can absolutely spray the basketball um, every time. He's but he's smart. He's not just a shoot it up you know, just throw it up and pray guy. Like he's very selective with his shots. Uh, I think every jump shot he took today was a good look, a good jump shot. And, and the vast majority of them fell down. Um, so that three and D wing, exactly what he needed to bring to the team. Looks like that's exactly what it is. You know, most of the time he's out on the perimeter, uh, setting screens and rolling out to the three point line. And, and that, that kind of guy is absolutely necessary. And, uh, he's knocking down the shot. So, Nothing nothing but good things to say about the two freshmen um, in the first time we've been able to see them. So another uh, very encouraging sign for this team uh, with, with two young freshmen that looked very good today. Well, you know, me and you and Brooks have spent a lot of time with Josh Minot over the last year since he um, committed to the Tigers or since the Tigers started really heavily com- um, prioritizing him in their recruitment. Um, and so we've – I've not been surprised. I like – like we know he's a big kid. Today was a little bit different. I walked into the gym and it's like almost jarring how big he is cuz he's again extremely smooth with the ball, has skills on the perimeter that that do not really you don't ever see really coexist with a kid in that that size of a body. Um but so so but you're right man, like those things translate you know the 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 skills that he developed when he was six four, six five, six six, um, that ability to dribble, that ability to get to the basket, to finish around the basket. Those things have translated to this kid that is now six twelve, and so <laughs> he's he's just a big kid, and he's not done growing. That's the scary part is he's not done. Like anyway. I was I was actually really surprised how big John Camden is. Um, he is a very tall, very long kid. And you're right, man. The kid has unlimited range. Like I saw him today. He's got he's got beautiful form and beautiful fundamentals. Also, off his jumper, yes. I saw him today catch a ball on the top of the wing and make a like a. Uh, in, a dribble in between his legs and then a hop still like a, like a hop, a crow step over to the right. Boom off the move jumper from three and make it. And I think what you said is perfect. 
I don't know what to necessarily expect from John this year. I have a feeling that Josh is going to be an absolute impact player for the Tigers this year. I don't know exactly what to expect with John, but I will say this. What you said a few minutes ago, that they do not look out of their element, is 1,000% right. These guys do not look, and they're playing against veterans in the college basketball game right now. They're playing against guys that have been in the same program for three to four years, that have been playing college basketball for three to four years. They've, they, are, they are playing against veterans, and they do not look scared. They do not look overwhelmed. The speed of the game is not surprising to them, and they are, they are very talented. And so I would never want to put any kind of expectation on a guy like John Camden or a guy like Josh Minot and say this is what the Tigers need. They are in the position – the Tigers are in the position to where they don't need it from them right now. But if they get it, if they get that production that they could absolutely get from them, it's just a bonus. It's a win all the way around. And, man, I don't know what the Tigers have in the water over there, what they're doing in terms of development, but these kids just do not look overwhelmed at all by any of it. No, and and, and kind of round it out just to wrap this up and, and move along. Uh, Tyler Harris played a lot today. He looked good. Like, you know, we know we know the circumstances and everything, but he looked, he looked good. He hit some shots. Um thought he made a couple bad decisions trying to drive down low but Tyler's an aggressive kid that uh can make plays and that and that's that's what he does um uh, Landers Nolly looked really he looked Lander could dri- Landers dribbling has gotten better dude Land- Landers was moving well and Kenny he also looked like a leader yes he did which is what they needed. There were so many times last year we talked about like Lander's attitude is terrible. His on court like demeanor is not was not right. great last year. It was year. like it was like every time something happens, he would just separated himself from the team. Like whatever. Like basically look like you guys suck. Like what you know, I'm doing everything out here. I'm not saying that he was thinking those things. I'm just saying that's what that's what it looked like. It didn't. I didn't see that once today, and usually that was so evident in games. And, and today he looked like a leader. He was very encouraging. Um, and let's and let's let's make make one point clear: the blue team and the white. The, those are the two teams tonight. If I were to guess, and and I'm not Coach Hardaway, I'm not the other coaches. The white team was clearly the A team to me in terms of who the starting five could possibly be. They all seem to be on the white team. The blue team was some of the freshmen, some of the younger kids with some of the walk-ons like Tyler and Landers was on the blue team. So if we're to kind of put two and two together, Landers was playing with the B team. And so he had, if he wanted to, he had every right to be aggravated and upset about that. And I didn't see any of that today at all in him. Yeah, and then and then kind of rounding it out, um, I thought Malcolm looked as limber and athletic as we've seen him since he arrived on campus. So you agree or no? I, I thought he moved very well, um, which at times he's kind of looked like he's lumbering around. He didn't really look like that today. Mm-hmm. He looked, looked like he was moving pretty good. Jalen Duran um, yammed on him. I will say that. <laughs> I mean, yes, he did. Uh, Sam A. Sam Amide Anu, our guy, um, with the blonde dreads and the and the wife. Now he's a he's a new man since the last time we saw him in October of 2020, a year ago, filming his commitment video in Philadelphia. Um, I, I mean, he didn't play a ton, 
which was kind of expected. You know, right now he's probably the fourth guy in the rotation, fourth or fifth guy maybe in the rotation in the front court. But he came in, he made some nice plays, moved around well, um, showed that he can handle the ball at the top of the key as a center. Uh, is definitely not 6'10", is definitely a footer, I think. <laughs> uh, pretty much unquestionably a footer. I think he's listed at 6'11". You I think he's he, six? You think he's six twelve? I think he. I think he's six thirteen. <laughs> you think he's six thirteen? He's a big dude. He's, he's really big. Huge. Yes, um, he is. Um, but he, you know, he looked good. He made a couple of good plays, uh, especially towards the end of the scrimmage. So, um, do you have anything else to add as far as individual players? Is there anybody that we missed or that we did not talk about before we hit on a couple of last things and get out of here? I just, I'll just say this, man. I love Sam. I just think he's one of the greatest guys. I know I'm not supposed to say that as a part of a journalistic organization, but I love that kid. He's so awesome. That's our dude. Um, a couple of a couple of things. Actually, I forgot one thing that was freaking hilarious uh, that happened today. So Kenny is on a knee on the baseline filming, and you know I'm kind of you know I'm not filming, so I'm, I'm kind of walking around like getting different looks from different angles and everything. Uh, and then I come and I take a knee next to Kenny and I'm talking to him and I think I literally said, "Dude, this team could win, could win a national championship." Sorry, spoiler alert. I'm not like just saying this to hype up fans. Like actually, I said this to Kenny one on one, and he was like, "Man, Jalen looks awesome. DeAndre looks awesome. Blah 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 blah." And I was like, "Yeah." And Earl's not even playing. And he was like, "Holy crap, Earl's not even playing, and they look this good." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." Um, so I say that to say Earl was not practicing while we were there. Same thing I said with Alex. He did not practice while we were there. I don't know what happened earlier, um, in the practice before we were able to watch, um, after the practice, Penny said that he was dealing with a, uh, you know, coming back from surgery, got a neck surgery to relieve some of that pain in that shoulder that caused him to miss the majority of last season. Um, said he's doing much better off of this surgery, that this surgery really helped him out a lot. Uh, he's a couple months removed from that. He's 100%, uh, but he's in non-contact right now. So he's, you know, they said they're kind of bringing him in slowly, um, but added that he's basically doing everything. So it, it sounded really encouraging. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't sound like he is expected to miss the beginning of the season or anything like that. It sounds like they're just being precautionary. And to Kenny's incidental point, Yes, this team looked that good without a guy that could be a first-round pick um, that is a very, very good basketball player. So <laughs> this team is scary. They're loaded, um, but they're young. They've got some young guys that are playing key positions. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was exciting to be able to watch. Uh, Kenny, I don't know about you, but walking out on the court uh, and, and seeing Jalen Duran and Imani Bates and Rasheed Wallace and Larry Brown and Penny Hardaway and – it's kind of like, what the heck? You know, like, where where the heck are we right now? Like, I'm looking at two former NBA All-Stars, mm. the only coach to ever win uh, an NBA and NCAA championship, and one of the greatest coaches of all time, an NBA or a Hall of Famer. Um, I'm looking at the number one player from 2022 in Jalen Duran, who's incredible, and I'm looking at the number two player from 2022 and Imani Bates, who I've been hearing about for four or five years at this point. So it's kind of surreal to see all those guys on the court. But, I mean, it's it's awesome. Uh, that's that's what's happening in Memphis right now. I mean, it was surreal. I mean, you looked over and you see Ja Morant over there. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about Ja being over there. Coming <laughs> off of his first day of practice for the Grizzlies in their training camp, was there tonight. 
Um, Bonzi Wells was there tonight, who's now the Lemoyne Owen head basketball coach. Um, there were a ton of former basketball players for the Tigers that were there. David Vaughn was there. Um, Jeremiah Martin. Jeremiah Martin was there. Willie Kemp, obviously, he's on staff. Um, uh, Jeremy Hunt was is on staff there now. Will um, Coleman was there. Will Coleman was there. A bunch of guys were there. It was, it was really, it was really strange to walk into the facility and see Larry Brown on the court. Yes, yeah, I can, I can agree with that. It was, but it, it, but it was freaking awesome to watch him coach. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: Were you surprised as into? Were you surprised by how engaged he was on the floor in the middle of the scrimmage? Yeah, uh, to be honest, like what I expected from Larry Brown is to kind of this is a hundred percent what I expected is for him to be off in the corner, arms crossed, really just watching, focusing, paying attention, and making mental notes. I was one hundred percent wrong. That was, I mean, he was he was doing the exact opposite. He is in almost the middle of the floor. <laughs> he is like not on the sideline. He's on the floor during the scrimmage, actively coaching, actively talking to these guys, and fully engaged. Like this is not a guy that just came out of coaching or came came to coach Memphis just for the glory. Like he still loves coaching and has a passion for coaching. And I think that's very clear and obvious. Yeah. That was, that was a surprise to me too. Like I did not expect to see him up and down the floor moving players having to go. Like, I mean, literally players were having to run around him on the floor because that's how engaged he was. I mean, he's super engaged as an 80 year old man, which listen, at 80, I'm, I, I wish I had the energy that he has at 40 right now. Like he, so that was, in, that was incredible to me. Um, but it was very clear that he is, he is not just the, the, the kind of, he's not there as a, um, um observer, observer, uh, just an analyst or whatever that just kind of goes into the game film and, and, and talks to the players in the, in the practices and stuff. He's, he is, actively engaged in coaching it was him Cody Toppert and Rasheed Wallace on the floor the entire time and I just want to I just want to request one thing from the Memphis Tiger basketball program please let Rasheed do some post-game press conferences or some some midweek press conferences because I think like I need that in my life because that dude is hilarious man like I he's a trip so the whole night was surreal, man. It was just a, it was, it's a very, it's an awesome time to be a Tiger basketball fan. It's an awesome time to be a basketball fan in the city of Memphis with everything that's going on right now. Yep. And so to wrap up next week, Memphis will be hosting their pro day deal with NBA scouts uh, that they also did in 2019. So that will be something to keep an eye on. Uh, I believe media is going to be there for at least one day, hopefully both days. Um, and then the following week is Memphis Madness. So, guys, it's coming. And after Madness, it won't be long before those exhibition games uh, are happening. So we're we're right around the corner from basketball season, as crazy as that sounds. Um, it feels like we just, we, we just finished the NIT, but here we are about to start the season. So, um, Kenny, with that being said, you got anything else? Man, I'm good. All right. Well, I just want to remind everybody to head over to the site at GoTigers247.com. It has gotten to that point in the season where we're covering basketball and football actively, so uh, everything for everybody. 
Uh, I know this is the crazy time of year where everybody really, really enjoys it. So um, I know Kenny Brooks and I will be working our butts off to bring full coverage on both sports and recruiting for both sports. Um, And we just ask that you guys head over, check it out, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. Um, And with that being said, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you downloaded your podcast. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis Athletic Program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are published daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for a VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. We'll see you back here next week.